Dear friends and beloved in Christ Jesus, we welcome you to the Lilies, a weekly podcast of the New Covenant Faith Outreach, the Outreach Arm of the New Covenant Faith Foundation. Today is our episode number seven. We are still on our theme, the Lilies. Our usual background test for this podcast is Matthew chapter six verse 25 through verse 34. But for this episode 7, we'll be looking at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through verse 10. The topic for today is living in consciousness of your weakness. Living in consciousness of your weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a son in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. The man Paul was the most outstanding or one of the most outstanding legal luminaries of his time. He was a man whose proficiency in legal practice cut across both the Jewish nation and the Roman world. Of course, you know that he was a man of dual citizenship. He could practice his legal uh, profession within the Jewish community. In fact, he, he was well-versed in the Jewish law and also in secular law, okay? He knew the tradition of the... He knew, he knew scriptures very well. He was also a Pharisee. He had an unbeatable religious zeal to fight, to defend the tradition of the elders. This led to the persecution of many Christians, even killing of some of them. The Bible records in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, that he even supervised the killing of the first Christian martyr, um, Stephen. So he was a man of great zeal. He was a man of great strength. He was a man of intelligence. He was a man of an outstanding, you know, public figure, public personality. Now, when he was converted on his way to Damascus in Acts, chapter 9, Paul transferred the same zeal to his Christian vocation. He preached the gospel with much less zeal. He preached the gospel with all his heart. He gave his all to preach the gospel. God endowed him with grace. He could wrought great miracles through Paul. You know, so much that even the shadow of St. Paul could heal. His apron could heal. You know, in Acts chapter 20, from verse 7, Paul was preaching, you know, with great power and authority. 
and they preached throughout the day into the night. And a man called Eutychus was sitting by the window. The Bible says he was at the third floor. And because he took off, you know, asleep, the man, he fell down and died. And Paul came down and prayed for him. And this guy's life was restored. What an amazing demonstration of God's power. Now we know something. In our text this, this, today, the Bible said, in order to keep him from exalting himself above measure, you know, because of the abundance of the revelation, because of the level of anointing, the level of spiritual, you know, exploit that God has used him to do in order to keep him from, from depending on his power, from thinking that it was his power that has brought him this great measure of success. The Bible says God allowed a messenger of Satan to attack Paul and the tongue was given to him on the flesh. God permitted Satan to afflict Paul. Now there are different interpretations of, of what Paul referred to as a thorn. Some say it was a, it was a physical sickness. In fact, most Bible commentators say it was an eye def defect. Some say it was a temptation. God allowed a temptation that was difficult for him to overcome to come upon him. Some say it was persecution. But whatever it is, Whatever it is, the truth was that there was a situation that Paul could not overcome. And he said he sought God. He prayed to God. This situation made him to pray to God. It is possible that if, you know, because of the power of God in his life, the arrow came upon him and, and could not, you know, impact on him. He would not remember at all that it is by the grace of God. But because the thing refused to go away... He went down on his knees. He saw the face of God. He saw his humanity. He saw his weakness. He saw the fact that it was all his power. But the mercy of God that brought him the kind of exploit that God was using him to do in ministry. He went down to seek God. And God revealed to him that I have allowed this thing for people. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. There are a number of things to look at here. Number one is that God didn't want Paul to exalt himself above him, God. God wanted him to know that he was in control. God cannot share his glory to any, with any other, nor his praise with graven images. God wants us to know that we are but flesh. He is the one walking in us. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, He is one that lives in us, both to will and to act according to his good purpose. He wants our actions and motives to truly reflect our dependence on him and not on our strength. Sometimes the pain we feel when we fall short of our expectations in life are because we believe that by all human parameters and all the efforts we have put in, we deserve a better outcome. Okay? By our age or status or efforts, we should have been much better than we are. And so when we fall short of our expectations, for all, it's like a slap. It's like a slap and hold me. Why should I be like this? You know, why should I? I should have been there. I should have achieved this. I should have achieved that. And sometimes this can lead us to comparison. 
We begin to compare ourselves with others who are ahead of us. It's possible that maybe earlier in life, you saw yourself, you were... You are better in school. You are even helping them to do their assignments. They were very far, far behind you. And now look at where they are. Okay? And there are people, if they succeeded in everything, everything they did, if they succeeded in everything, they will not remember God at all. They will forget God. Okay? So sometimes God allows some of these things to happen to bring us closer to himself. God wants us to know that the excellency of the power belong to him and not to ourselves. So, rather than running away or allowing the issues of life to weigh us down, let us draw closer to God. The Lord can be using us or using the, our present predicament to draw us back to himself. God can allow those things to bring us back. If he allows us to succeed as we wished, it's possible we will not remember him. And you know that God's ultimate desire for our life is not just about prosperity. Prosperity is nothing before him. If God wants you to prosper, God wants you to be the president of Nigeria or America, it doesn't take him anything. God can, he, the Bible says, he rules over the kingdom of man. And he gives it to anybody. He, in fact, he gives it to even the weakest of the earth. God can do it. But you know, the greatest desire of God is that we will be at peace with him. After you have prospered in life, you will be with him in heaven forever. So whatever in life that will separate us from this great God's purpose, God will not allow it. While we prosper on earth, sometimes he allows us situations to bring us nearer to him. So that while we are doing well, in this world, we will not also lose focus of, on, on him because ultimately our citizenship is in heaven. Have you discovered the purpose of God for what you are going through? The nearer we are to God, the more consolation we receive over the situations we are going through and the more his peace will abound in our lives. Look at the verse 10 again. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When God allowed this situation to buffet Paul, as it were, he said, ah, I have learned not to depend on my own strength. If me... By the grace of God, who have been used greatly by God to even raise the dead, if I can labor with this situation and the situation refuse to go away despite my prayers, then I have learned to depend on God. It is when I am weak that I am strong. My strength, God's strength, is made perfect in my weaknesses. To, to say I am weak means also I'm a human being. There is nothing extraordinary about me apart from God. I can also be sick like others. Now, when that consciousness is there and I now depend on God, I see God working in me even in a greater measure. So why do I glory in myself? Paul said, I have learned to take pleasure, to rejoice when I am in trouble because those things draw me nearer to God. And the more I am closer to God, the more the power of God is made manifest in my life. When we draw near to God, 
rather than allowing ourselves to be torn apart by adversities of life. It's a sign of our dependence on God. And the Lord will reveal himself to us and his purpose for that situation. God will tell us, look at verse 9. I said, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Paul can, say, can, can add and say, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon my life. Now, if he did not go near to God, he wouldn't have understood the will of God. God said, it is not what you are going through that is the issue, but I will give you grace. What you are going through, we not overcome you. This phase of your life will pass. Child of God, the phase you are going through now in your life will pass. It will not overcome you. The grace of God is sufficient for you. There was a brother who was going through a hard time, very hard time. He had lived his life faithfully and he felt that he did not deserve what he was going through. He had prayed for several times. God was not responding as it were. And one day he decided to fast and pray for, for a number of days. While he was praying, he went into a trance and he saw himself walking. He saw four footprints moving together. And in that in the spirit of that, that Revelation. He was able to describe that the two footprints were his own, the other two were of God. And he saw himself, all these uh, sin sins in his life, he was having difficulties. And he was saying to say, oh, no wonder. No wonder these things were happening to me. So when somebody is working with God, God can actually allow him to be going through problems. Now, but something happened. At those points, when he had difficulties in his life, he discovered that there were only two footprints, not four. And he saw when he was in rejoicing, there were four footprints. When he was in difficulty, there were two footprints. He said, hey, no wonder. Is that how, the, how God is? Oh, so whenever I'm in trouble, he will withdraw. You see, I'm walking alone. And the Spirit said to him, in the contrary, those times you saw only two footprints, when you are in trouble, the footprints you saw were actually those of God. Because at those times, he carried you on his shoulders. Because he knew you could not, as a human being, walk through those problems. That was why, in the first place, you were able to overcome. When he woke for that revelation, he glorified God. Knowing that God does not abandon us when we are in trouble. Child of God, that what you are going through today is persisting. It's not an indication that God has abandoned you. God does not abandon his own. He will not abandon you. He wants you to understand that you are but flesh. He wants to glorify himself in that situation. We must know for sure, as a child of God, that nothing that happens to you takes God on our way as. Recognize, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he said, I know my plan for you. That plan is for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. You are a child of God. You must assure yourself that your father will not allow you to go through anything that will destroy his purpose for your life. So, let your present situation draw you nearer rather than cause you to run away to, from God. And when we do that, some people have run into all kinds of difficulties looking for help where there is no help. And the Bible says, woe to them that look for help in Egypt. The nearer we are to God, the smaller our challenges. In Luke chapter 5, you know, God told Simon Peter, you know, 
uh, help me, pardon, you know, Simon, pardon, this can God, Christ was preaching now at the point he said, Simon, cast your net. For throughout the night, we have been laboring. We have labored throughout the night. We caught nothing. He was arguing with Jesus until when he obeyed. He said, At your word, he saw a great intervention of God. He caught so much fish he had never caught before, regardless of his, you know, professional proficiency as a fisherman. And he said, Jesus, please go away from me because I'm unworthy. He saw the glory of God. I want to tell you, child of God, that when you submit to God, when you go nearer to God, instead of allowing the present situation to draw you away, you will see the glory of God. And when God reveals his glory to you, whatever you think was a challenge will be over. God will give you hundred times over what you cannot achieve with your own strength. Let us depend on him. Problems become overbearing when we allow them to draw us away from God. The farther you are from God, the bigger the problem. And that is what the devil is looking for. Satan knows that when we are with God, he can do nothing to us. But he tries to draw us away. The situation itself is not capable of bringing us down. What brings us down is when we allow the situation to draw us away from God. And then the devil will not have access to our life to cause destruction. It will not be so to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. We must understand that our efforts cannot help us. It is when we depend on God. God does not help the strong. So don't say, hold me. Why should I? I have been reading before and I will pass my exam. Now I have read, I could not pass. My master, professor, I said, no, 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 no. God helps the weak. In Isaiah chapter 40, God says he does not help the strong. He helps the weak. In chapter 40 of Isaiah, um, verse 29 uh, to 31, he said, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no strength, he increases their strength. Even the youths, even the strongest people will faint and be weary. No matter how strong you are, you can faint and be willing. There is a limit to which your strength can carry you. First of all, the strength you claim you have comes from God. Say, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Did you hear that? God helps the weak and not the strong. So if you live your life understanding that you are a man and go to God, when that, when that happens, what it means that every day, when you know that you are a man and you are depending on him, so you will do nothing without him. You will not go out without seeking his face. You will not take any decision without seeking his face. You will not take any action, even when you are in difficulty, without finding out why in the first place did God allow this thing to happen to me. In chapter 41 verse 13 of Isaiah, Isaiah 41 verse 13, he said, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Do not fear, I will help you. I, the Lord your God, I will hold your right hand. In verse 14, he said, Do not be afraid, you warm Jacob, warm, warm, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The, the warm, what we call warm. You know, like earthworm is the weakest. Even even warm water or salt can dissolve warm. You see, God used warm to describe our our frailty. We are weak. But He said, "I will help you." You want Jacob, child of God? What are you going through today? God said, "I will help you." 
Let your situation draw you nearer to God. A woman called Annie Sherwood Hawk. Okay, he was an American gospel hymnist. He said, she, she wrote a hymn which uh, was published in 1872. And in looking at the challenges of life, she discovered that the nearer we are to God, the, the further our problems. He said, challenges lose their power when we are nearer to God. That hymn says, I need you every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Draw thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, teach me thy will. And your rich promises, in me fulfill. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour in joy or in pain. Come quickly and abide. All life is vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Lord, we give you glory because your presence drives away fear. Your presence drives away every darkness. I pray this morning at every cloud of darkness over my hearers. 
by the power of your word they will disappear those who live in darkness have seen the great light those who live in the valley of the shadow of death to them your light has shined let your light shine into every darkness of them help them to depend on you oh look at the matter when they do let every mountain be made low we give you glory lord jesus christ's name we 